0: Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. Communication leads to community, that is, to understanding, intimacy, and mutual valuing. Rollo May.
1: Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 14. Hello, this is G. I just want to give our listeners a brief content warning. Both M and myself talk about childhood trauma that we have experienced in this episode. Well, it's episode 14. It is. It has been a very long time since we podcasted.
0: And the topic of episode 14, G, is...
1: Well, Em, the topic is the hopefully long awaited communicating about communicating episode that I promised who knows how many episodes ago. Yes. As our polyamory topic today.
0: And it's really interesting when you proposed this idea to me, G. You said, you know, you want to do an episode about communicating, about communicating. And you were like, what if we do our discussion about communicating about communicating? While we are recording, so the listeners can get a sort of authentic experience.
1: Yes, it had occurred to me that while I had an explicit conversation with T about communication... You're you're one other partner. My other partner, because T was the one who originally proposed this idea to me. I have never actually had an explicit conversation with you, my partner, about communication. I feel like it is a good discussion to have in any relationship slash partnership slash whatever, however you want to define that term. Because there's so much that goes on with how people communicate with each other. And I'm not just talking about the words we use. I'm talking about the whole love languages concept is part of this. Sort of old assumptions that you have is a part of this. How introverted versus extroverted as a part of this, like there are all these elements to how people communicate with each other that I feel like it's very helpful to sort of go over explicitly how you communicate and try to make sure you're on the same wavelength as your partner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, we never really had this explicit conversation. We've talked about communicating, but very much like fluid throughout the relationship here and there. We've never really sat down and really had the talk. Yes. And we're going to do that right now for all of you.
1: Yes. I felt like it would be helpful. I mean, it's one thing to sort of talk about the abstract, and it's another to see a a live demonstration, so to speak. Well, this won't be live, but you know what I mean. Uh, More hands on. Yeah. Ears on. Ears on,
0: yes. Hearts on. It's more hearts on. I like that. I'm coining
1: that. You're coining that?
0: Is We're that a- touching all of your hearts, listeners, so this is a hearts-on podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, anyway, so, kinky nerdy poly, alright, polyamorous.
1: Yes.
0: Alright, making an effort to say that. And this is the polyamorous episode, so we do want to make the content relevant to polyamory, however... I imagine this is also going to be useful for people who are monogamous,
1: for people who are
0: open, for people who might be in any state of relationship uh, orientation. As
1: as with most things involving polyamory, these are somewhat universal skills for any relationship. Uh, It doesn't have to be just with your romantic slash sexual slash platonic partner. It can be with your you could have sit down and have an explicit conversation with your family about how to communicate wow woof really yeah <laughs> you can you know talk with your boss you can talk with your employees you can talk with your friends this is a somewhat universal skill however it is it can be important in maintaining the health of a relationship to have this kind of conversation and of course As with many things, this takes a certain amount of self-reflection and knowledge about oneself to have this conversation. So, you know, you need to know where you're coming from to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's useful to reflect beforehand before you have the conversation and think about what do you want to get out of the conversation? What are some of the main key points you want to drive home? And also knowing, you know, like, obviously you can't script the whole thing. You might, you know, things might not go as planned, and that's okay. So what are those key things you really want to make sure you hit? And what are you okay on compromising and saying, you know, maybe we're not going to talk about this, or maybe that topic actually isn't going to be as important right now. And figuring out where you're compromising on communicating comes into play as well. So because uh, we haven't, you know, sat down and explicitly communicated about communicating, And since you suggested this topic, G, I'm going to let you start off.
1: Go for it. All right. So I'm going to start with some of the basics, which you probably already know just by being with me. But so I'm a fairly introverted person. I also often sit with my thoughts for a while before I formulate the words to go with the thoughts. So I have a better understanding of where I am mentally, which I think you already know. And sometimes I get into uh, depression funks, where it's really hard for me to initiate communication with people Mm -hmm. and also really hard to respond to people, especially text messages. Do you find
0: calling to be easier than text messaging?
1: Yes, I find myself to be something of an outlier in that case because I found a vast majority of people in my age group prefer text communication to calling on the phone. It's
0: really interesting because, in fact, right before we recorded this episode, uh, you had mentioned, you know, you called me earlier today and you said, I knew that you preferred text over calling, but actually I was really surprised to hear you say that because I actually don't prefer text over calling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that was just maybe like an assumption I made or transposing a memory. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is one of the benefits of having these kinds of explicit conversations, is that you can go over assumptions that you've made and correct the ones that are wrong. But yeah, I tend to prefer voice communication. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to call you more often. And if you want, you can call me more often. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm more likely to respond to a... An actual call. An actual call than to a text.
0: Yeah, and this is actually really interesting that we're starting off on this because I had mistakenly assumed that because you, I know you struggle with depression, and I know other people who struggle from depression, and they they actually don't like calling. They just would prefer to be texting. Yeah. And maybe that's because, again, the age group. So then I had mistakenly also assumed that you didn't want me to call you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... Here we were, both totally fine with calling each other, and we just kept assuming the other
1: one preferred text messages. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's why it's good to have conversations like this.
0: And now, we have f- pretty fairly effectively still communicated well over text. Yes. Uh, with the occasional call here and there. But now that we know this information, I think it's going to make our communication even more effective.
1: Yes. So this is a good place to start. Let's see. So since T was the one who kind of originated this concept, or at least T was the one who exposed this concept to me, I'm trying to remember all the things we talked about in our conversation. All right, here's a question for you. I don't think we've really gotten into, like, a big argument so far in our relationship.
0: No, we've had a couple of smaller moments, but not anything...
1: Ginormous. Ginormous, yeah. But generally speaking, if... I've never really had, like, a big blow-up argument in a relationship because generally my, my coping strategy for conflict is, like, avoidance and de-escalation. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I don't know how, how you generally uh, deal with conflict.
0: I think conflict could be a whole other topic. It's actually something that I've thought about that we could do in terms of poly, because some of my friends who go to a polyamorous meetup, yeah, they did a thing where they took like tests to figure out what their type of conflict resolution was. Yeah. So there was like avoidance and dominating or something like that and these types of things. Uh, and I want to learn more about that because I don't know exactly where I fall. I'm definitely not an avoidance person. I like to
1: head on confront things. I mean, I... I guess let me let me try to define what I mean by sort of avoidance and deescalation. I don't like to and try to make it about communication I guess so that way we can yeah, tie it into so, that. I personally don't like getting mad or angry about things. Mm-hmm. So if there is something that's causing me to get mad or angry, I prefer not to I prefer to have like a cool off period and try to approach it and when I feel like I'm in a more stable Not stable, but in a more calm frame of mind. So, you know, if we were to have, like, an argument that I felt like was getting on the bigger side, I'd probably want to tell you, like, look, I just want to, you know, I may go, like, radio silence for, like, a day while I cool off, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about this when we're both, or when I have a cooler head. Don't want to assume your emotional state in this hypothetical argument that we're having
0: <laughs> i love this hypothetical argument it's making me already very uncomfortable it's, no that's great to to be doing this sort of um mind game, how, how do we say it like um not mind game that's not what i want to say um game theory no not game theory just like sort of playing it out in my head like oh yeah i'm not sure there's a term for that i'm definitely not at all like that okay. i will say that Generally, I really like to resolve things quickly. Okay. And that means that I do have very, I mean, obviously, this is like a hypothetical big argument, so I'm probably going to feel very passionate. Yeah. And I might be upset. And I like to express those emotions. I don't like to bottle them up. So I, I definitely will at least voice those feelings. Okay. And I won't feel like I have to hide them. But I will say I I do like to work on not responding as quickly. Okay. Uh, That's still something that I'm working on in myself. And I've gotten a lot better over the years because this is something that I continue to work on with myself. Because I want to honor my emotions and I want to give them space to exist. Because I don't want to repress anything. And at the same time, I'm also recognizing that there is definitely a benefit to not actively communicating about the issue right then and there. So my initial thought is right away, oh, I'm just going to want to talk it out with you. And you're going to be, I need, a, I need 24 hours to cool down. Yeah. So uh, to go radio silent, right? Mm-hmm. So that's two very opposing...
1: Viewpoints. Viewpoints.
0: You know, and obviously I want to get better at delaying and thinking about things and resolving things slower, or not having to tackle the issue right then and there, what I'm actually feeling right now, because when you said, like, you would go radio silent for a day, and I, I've i had you go radio silent on me for a day or days. Yeah. Um, Especially That's when you've been- That's
1: probably more depression- Depression, fun.
0: yeah. Which I totally understand, and I've never taken that at all personally. But if it's a big argument, obviously I know I'm involved. Yes. <laughs> so- I know that it's going to involve thinking about... No, it's going to be a one-sided big argument. (laughs) uh, If that was happening with you, maybe we would would work that out some other way. But what I'm feeling is a lot of past trauma come up, like right away.
1: Okay.
0: I'm feeling like if you go radio silent on me, that means our relationship is over. That's obviously past trauma. Uh, A lot of that probably has to do with childhood trauma of uh, my mom would take Xanax and pass out for a couple weeks, you know, and never come out of her room. So, and that was from, like, a big argument for her, right? Which might have just been me voicing my emotions. Yes. So, I think that that's why I have that fear. And that's why I like to try to resolve things quickly, because I don't want that person to disappear or abandon me or...
1: Uh, Well, to give you my backstory on this, which also involves trauma.
0: I think we need a good couple of content warnings in the beginning of this
1: episode. Okay, I'll make sure to record that. So part of the reason I am this way is because my father is very emotionally manipulative, so I tend to be very flat when it comes to my emotion, because the more spikes there are, so to speak, that just gives him more levers to pull on. Uh, So... That's why, I mean, there's a good probably like 80 to 90% of my behavior that goes back to my father. I mean, I
0: think that's true for many people. Uh, I, I, I used to be way worse, by the way. I used to um, really demand that people just resolve these issues like right then and there. And like I said, I've made a lot of progress. Okay. And a lot of that has had to do with therapy and working on those past traumas to be able to make that it's now I'm not 80 to 90% of my mom issues but now i'm like more way more me so obviously we have to acknowledge that our past traumas whether it be childhood trauma whether it be adolescent trauma whether it be relationship trauma from later on those are all going to affect our behaviors and that's going to influence how we communicate with each other
1: very true and in fact i want to pro- provide a a non traumatic example of how Behavior, past experience can influence your behavior now, which can lead to difficulties in communication. So this is something I only noticed with my partner Jay, and it's something I've been trying to be better on with you, especially since you're the partner who comes over to my place most often. In my family, we've been doing this for so long. I can't remember like how it started, but it was the assumption was always the last person out the door was the person who would lock the door. So oftentimes when, so oftentimes when Jay was visiting, you know, there'd be this awkward moment of like, I would go out to the car and Jay would, was like, do you, are you going to lock the door? And I'm like, why aren't you locking the door? You're the last one out. So it's something I'm trying to become better on. It's a, it's hard because this is like a good 16 to 18 years of my life. I've been doing things this way with my family, and it's a it's a hard behavior to try to unravel. And I think I've gotten, I mean, I can ask you about this, but have I been, I think I've been a little bit better about, like, locking the door myself or telling you to lock the door?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've never felt that uh, you expected me to lock the door at all. And I remember I have asked in the past, like, oh, do you want me to lock the door or did you lock the door even or something like that? Um, and I noticed today when we went out that the door was just locked, I think, when I went mm-hmm. behind you. So, And I tend to be the one out after you.
1: Yes. Yeah. It is something I'm working on improving on because it's, I mean, it's a minor speed bump in communication. But addressing a minor speed bump before it becomes a big thing is... Right, like, like yeah, you don't want to be bottling up that. Yeah, I know. mean, I'm really glad that Jay talked to me about it. Yeah, you because know, it happened a few times and we didn't talk about it. And finally, I was like, why do you keep on not locking the door? <laughs> I'm really glad you talked to me about it because I'd never made that connection before. Like, I'd always, I just, it's one of those things where it's like you just assume your family life is how everybody, everybody else, else right. does it. Yep. Like, I think I was telling you today, is like, I'm always surprised at how early other people eat. Because in my family, we'd, we only ate around like 7, 730 I'm always shocked when I see people going out to dinner at, like, 5, 5.30. It's like, aren't you still, like, full from lunch? How are you?
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think, because you were just giving an example of, like, a non-traumatic behavior, right? Yeah. And I was trying to think if I could come up with something similar related to, like, my communication uh, behaviors. What I will want to say is, like, I've done an enormous amount of growth in the past, even just the past two years, um, in terms of communicating with partners, that I'm a lot better now at like understanding the flow of communication between different partners. So like being polyamorous, the way that you communicate with, you know, one partner isn't necessarily the way you communicate with another partner. And the way that I talk with X about things, like I I talk to him all the time. So basically we're texting a good chunk of our day together. So if if we're not in the same, so if I'm at school, for example.
1: You're texting each other. Yeah.
0: We'll, like, send each other memes, whatever, throughout the day, photos of each other, whatever, and just talk about our days, you know, like, what's going on? And that's very fluid and natural between us, and that's something that you, G, and I don't really do.
1: Yes, because I am not great at texting. You're not a great
0: texter, which now I know. But I also, like, didn't put that expectation on you. I didn't expect you to be texting me back all the time. And, like, I expect X to because we've built up that habit. Um, and so I think when there's a lull in communication with X via text message, one of us will end up like popping in to check in on the other. And just because that's a natural flow that we've gotten into, whereas with, uh, you and I, I don't expect anything. And that's also very freeing too.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the thing, you know, in our modern day and age, you know, we're always available for communication, uh, which is both a blessing and a curse. So I have a lot of trouble, like, not only with text, but with emails. I've had to set up rules on my Gmail accounts, like, look, everything from this, just delete that right away because it's just spam and LinkedIn. Oh, no. LinkedIn just sends me so many emails. Keep on telling them I unsubscribe.
0: But... And don't get me wrong, I appreciate the amount of communication I have with X a lot. And if I felt that it was too much, or if I felt that it was not productive, that it was just idle chatter, uh, then, cause I've been there. I've been in a previous relationship with someone where it was that we did text fairly frequently, but it was just idle chatter. There was no real substance to it. Not even in terms of bringing each other joy. Like, There wouldn't be any sharing of, like, hardships, but there also wouldn't be any sharing of, like...
1: It was small talk. Yeah, essentially. How's the weather? Right, yeah. And... That strikes me as weird, because you do not seem much of a small talk
0: person to me. I'm not. In fact, I'm terribly bad at it. I have to pretend that I know what small talk is.
1: You just talk about the weather. Ask how the...
0: I literally... I'm, like, the worst at this, because when I met Jonathan Van Ness, all I could talk about was the weather.
1: I'm sorry, who's Jonathan Van Ness?
0: Jonathan Van Ness actually just came out as non-binary, by the way. Okay. And they slash he slash she, not sure of their pronouns at current, but he slash she was using him slash her as their pronouns during their live performance. But now they've come out as non-binary, so I'm guessing I'm using they for just...
1: I think we can use they for the purposes of this podcast. For purposes,
0: yeah. So they are on Queer Eye. They are one of the gay people. Oh, the
1: the makeover show. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it's on Netflix. And I got to meet Jonathan Van Ness, and I was really interested in in them because they are they were identifying as a gay man who's very very feminine, but when I met them, and I'm so happy to say that I did get to meet them, because they're a really genuine human being, but I froze up, and I didn't know what to say, and actually, because a lot of people think I'm, like, good at communicating, like, social communication, but I'm really bad at small talk, and then apparently when I shouldn't be doing small talk, like, i.e. meeting Jonathan Van Ness, and I should be, like, asking about all sorts of stuff on their show, I'm just like, it really sucks that you're here when it's snowing.
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like that kind of freeze-up is not uncommon when you meet somebody who is your hero-slash-idol-slash-someone you look up to.
0: Yeah, and I didn't really even know much about them before because I got these tickets for free from a friend who couldn't go. And so I actually didn't really know a lot about them, but I knew a little bit and I was really interested in their gender exploration. So, yeah, I think the freeze-up is... Definitely normal. At the same time, that's definitely an area where I, I would not have wanted to just talk about the weather.
1: Okay. So here, here's another sort of... We've already talked about, like, minor speed bumps in communication. Is there anything I do which you feel like is a minor speed bump in our communication? Any, like, small annoyance?
0: I will say the one thing... And I'm not sure how much of this is communication. I think a little bit of it is communication is that you're often not clear about like the timing of things, especially if like you're coming over and sometimes I'm very unsure of plans right up until they happen or I don't know, we'll try to make plans and then it'll be unclear what's going on. And then I like I've had X actually ask me like, oh, when's G coming over? And I'm like, I don't know. Could be now, could be in a couple hours.
1: Yes, I am aware that this is a problem of mine. And I'm trying to get better at it. Again, I hate to keep on bringing this up, but, you know, I, I get into these depression funks, and it's hard to get out of bed. Sure. And it's hard to... Absolutely. ...actually commit to something, if that makes sense. Yeah. Until I just kind of force myself into motion. And once I force myself into motion, I have to move quickly. Otherwise, the momentum just goes away. I am trying to be better about it. Of course, part of it is I'm currently a, a rideshare driver, and so you're you're texting me today about when want when we should meet up, and I got your text right. yeah, well, you're
0: yeah, you were on a ride, so obviously you can't text back.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was in the middle of a 40 minute ride when I got that text and I got back to you as soon as I was finished with that ride, but I, it is something that I continue to work on of trying to be more punctual in my life. I know it can be really annoying because my father is also an individual who is late to most things in his life and I'm fully aware of how annoying it is and yeah, I it's something i'm working on i'm I, i'll try to be better about it in the future
0: it's not again it's just a minor speed bump it doesn't even it's not affecting me to any large degree
1: well i know it's not affecting you to a large degree it has affected previous relationships of mine and i'm aware that it is a a non helpful personality trait especially for relationships but I suspect it will be, like, an ongoing issue with me until, you know, the day I die.
0: And I accept that about you.
1: And I appreciate you working on it. But... But I I think things are, like, in that regard, like, especially badly like, a couple months ago, if I remember correctly. Like, when it was winter going into spring. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a bunch of times where I felt really bad about how late I was, and I've been trying to do better since then. Do you feel like I've been doing better or Yeah, I definitely feel like you've been doing better. I remember just the one
0: time that uh you know, I had communicated to you that dinner was gonna be at a certain time and then you said that you were coming over and you were like forty five minutes late to dinner. When I had like cooked for you and my other partner and um Your his metamor. wife. Yeah, my metamor And like I was all excited to have this meal and then, you know, you were forty five minutes late. And I actually, what's so funny about this, is that I told myself in my head, and then I actually voiced it to X and his wife, and I said, when he apologizes for be- being late, I'm not gonna say it's okay. And what's the first thing out of my mouth after you said that you're sorry for being late? It's okay. It's okay.
1: Yeah. it's It's not okay. I think I've been doing better, like, these past month or so. Yeah.
0: Um... I contrast with you on this in terms of communication. I love planning. I love getting all the details out. I love knowing exactly when I'm going to be someplace. I love being early. I'm very much, like, always thinking in advance. And I'm often, like, communicating well in advance about, like, my my steps. Yes. And I try to communicate them as the steps go along. So if anybody wants to interrupt me, you know, and say, ah, stop at that step, I can just stop at that step. Um, so I'm very pr- almost procedural in that way. Okay. And very meticulous sometimes about my planning. And that has benefits and it also has cons. Yes. So I will have to now return the question. Have there been any minor speed bumps in the way that I communicate?
1: There have definitely been times where I have not been able to determine if, like, I'll try to communicate something to you as like, I don't know why you're not getting this right now. Like it, like, is it the pop culture reference? Is it the, the idiomatic expression? Or is it like some cultural weirdness on my part? Because I lived a lot of my you life You lived a overseas. lot of different places. Yeah. I mean, you also, you've told me you have trouble with idiomatic expressions. Mm-hmm. So that, that does feel like a little bit of a minor speed bump where I'm like trying to determine like what, what exactly is the breakdown in me trying to communicate this information to you?
0: Yeah, Uh, I definitely have pragmatic language difficulties, which actually would encompass not only the idiomatic expressions, but also the pop culture references and also the cultural differences. So you get, you know, it could be any one of those things can fall under my pragmatic language difficulties. So for the listeners, I do have a pragmatic language impairment. And that causes me to have breakdowns in communication related to pragmatic functions of language. So all of these things that G's bringing up that are minor speed bumps are. Yeah. In fact, I was just having dinner with X and a couple friends. And someone had said, well, X had to teach me about the proof in the pudding.
1: You've never heard that expression before? I've
0: heard it before. Like, here's the thing about the pragmatic language impairment. It's like, I, I've heard it before. But it, it doesn't really make sense to okay. because my brain interprets it literally. So he had to reinforce that it's an idiomatic expression. This is what it means. Um, but there was another one that came up during dinner and we just all kind of chuckled about it. And then uh, at some point in the evening, I said, oh, it's it's uh, it's like they say the alligator in the swimming pool. And everybody's just like, wait, I've never heard that expression <laughs> before. And I was like, It's totally made up.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm just like trying to understand like what an idiomatic expression is.
1: Ah now let's make that a thing. Let's make it a t shirt. Well, I actually there's a story behind it. Oh, okay. Let's let's hear the story. Okay,
0: the story is that when I had first gotten into grad school, I get into all four grad schools that I applied to. And I was talking to my good Buddhist friend and I said, I'm so worried I'm going to pick the wrong school. You know, I have these four really good choices. And she was like, well, imagine that they're all different swimming pools. She was like, this one is, has a slide and this one goes up to eight feet, but this one only goes up to four feet, but it has like a hot tub or whatever, you know, and like each pool has these really cool features, but they're all good. And I said, but what if I jump in the pool? With the alligator. (laughs) Uh, So that's how that expression came out. But actually, she had a very good comeback. And I think this is something I've, I've really held with me. She said, if there's going to be an alligator, it's going to be in every swimming pool. Okay. So that is where that expression comes from, which I have now coined. But thank you for telling me that that is a minor speed bump. Unfortunately... That is kind of how my brain is wired, and I am not sure if I can suddenly understand your references.
1: It's fine, uh, but like I said, it's a, it's a minor speed bump. Yeah, there's de- I think when I when I visited you a couple days ago, there's definitely a point where it was like, I feel like he's getting that this is sarcasm, but he's acting like he's not getting
0: it. That happens often, frequently too, because I think another thing about the pragmatic language impairment is that I do get it on some level. But it doesn't connect all the way. It's like, there's like a missing step. It's like, I can trick, I can like, be like, logically, yeah, that's sarcasm. Like, I can point at it and I can be like, that's sarcasm. But it doesn't really connect to me as that. Like, earlier, didn't we have this moment where you said something sarcastic and then I said something else and then you were like, yeah, that was sarcasm. And I was like, I knew, but I didn't know.
1: Yeah, that was what I was referencing.
0: That was just now. That was just oh. today.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I have a problem with my memory.
0: <laughs> that is have... also, that's that's typical of depression. I
1: don't know if you've noticed this.
0: I've noticed it, and it has to do with depression.
1: Yeah. I I often have trouble remembering what I've told people or who I've had conversations with, which is why I often check in with you before I launch into a story. Have I already told you the story? Right. Because when you get down to it, like, my life is just, like, four or five stories. <laughs>
0: Well, we're all just four or five stories. We're all just an alligator in a swimming pool. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense in my <laughs> made-up idiomatic expression.
1: I guess another problem I have with communication, and I feel like I haven't had it in a while, but it's definitely been like an ongoing issue in my life, is there are times where... Oh, and this, this used to drive my partner, T, crazy. Um, all right, I'm curious there's a lot of times where I'm going to be listening to a conversation and the person's speaking in a normal tone of voice and then they'll say something and I just won't understand what they're saying. And this has been going on for as long as I can remember. And it used to be, I would like ask, could you repeat that? And they'd say it again and I still didn't understand it. And you know, I was like, no matter how many times I asked, I just couldn't understand what they said. So eventually I grew into the habit of just letting... The unintelligible part passed by, and then I would make sense of it later based off the context, context of what they said after that part. And this used to drive T crazy because T is very smart, but she also thinks in kind of an odd way. So I, was, I, was, I explained this to someone once. Like, I, I can often follow other people's trains of thought. Like, I can see the A, the B, the C. Or I can see the A, the B, and the antimatter C like I can like that's not the choice I would have made, but I can understand the logic behind it t s thinking often goes along the lines of a d e b and I'm like, all right i I don't really see where that train of logic went, so this technique, which I had used for most of my life quite successfully just did not really work on T. And she would get quite frustrated with my habit of just letting the unintelligible parts of her conversation pass by and me trying to figure it out by the context because I was very bad about figuring out her context. So we eventually had to work out sort of a system of like, I had to get comfortable with like stopping her. I was like, look, I didn't understand that part. You're going to have to explain it a different way. So that I can Mm -hmm. understand what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, these things sound like things that I go through too. I've experienced very similar things. And while neither of us are officially diagnosed with autism, I have been sort of unofficially talked to my therapist about it and other people in my life who have mentioned, you know, these are traits. And... Even the pragmatic language impairment is linked to that. So, I think, you know, neither of us are very neurotypical. What n- not when it comes to mental health, not when it comes to other diverse ways that we might be thinking. So that personally doesn't bother me at all.
1: Uh, yeah, but I think it's a good thing to to say out loud. Yeah. I now that I think about it, I can't really remember the last time I had that issue. But it's definitely been like an issue that's been with me for most of my life. I think I it's helpful, I think, for the most part that when we do sort of face-to-face communication, we that I can follow your train of thought.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Though there are still times where I have no idea where your train of thought Mu- mucus blowjobs. Mucus blowjobs being the <laughs> being the <laughs> example from today. <laughs> And now our listeners are going to be very confused.
0: Well, Uh, wouldn't be the weird podcast that we are without confusion. Yeah. So I wanted, I think now's a good time to bring up some, because we've talked about minor kind of speed bumps. I wanted to bring up the relationship mistakes point that we have in our show notes. So I saw this on, um... And of course now it's going to disappear and I'm going to have to go find it again because I didn't take screenshots of my screenshots. Was it in my screenshots?
1: I thought it was in your screenshots of your screenshots of your screenshots.
0: (laughs) I just want to find it again. Oh, there's another thing that I can mention too. But after I find this screenshot, they were right next to each other. There's Noam Chomsky. Here we go. So I found this floating around, uh, I think, Facebook and it was posted by Healers of the Light. And I believe they do work on like emotional trauma and things like that. And they put up a post that says common mistakes we make in a relationship. And three of them are concretely about communicating, like directly about communication. And the other ones could obviously connect to communicating. So I just wanted to read the three first that are directly related to communicating. And then I'll read the other ones as well. So, the first one is not communicate our long-term goals. These are common mistakes in a relationship. So, not communicating our long-term ah, goals. okay.
1: I, I had that backwards in my head for a second. I was like, why wouldn't you want to communicate your long-term right. goals?
0: No, these are, <clears throat> just to reemphasize for our listeners, these are common mistakes okay. in a relationship. So, the, the first one that is distinctly about community is not communicate our long-term goals. Yes. The second one is change our mind about something important and not communicate it. That's a big pitfall in a relationship.
1: And it's why it's useful to have these conversations about communication because none of us are mind readers.
0: That's right. And then the last one that is directly related to communication is say things that we don't mean when we are upset, which can go back to our kind of arguments conversation. Yeah. I did want to read the other ones because I think they're interesting. So these are other mistakes that we make in a relationship confuse our idea of relationship with the actual relationship we are in
1: i mean i think this goes back to when we briefly touched upon how the idea of a 24-7 uh master-slave dynamic is a lot different than the actuality of a yes so yeah you know be be in the relationship that you're in not in your fantasy relationship
0: uh the next one is expect the other person to fulfill our goals that's definitely a pitfall. That, And I've had other partners put their fulfillment of goals on me, mm-hmm. which has not been healthy. Because then I was essentially used kind of to achieve their goals. The next one is give up on our goals to, quote, make it work. I sacrificing our goals for the partner.
1: Uh, I mean, I feel like that's the big one that's touched upon in movies, right? Like in romantic yep. comedies. Mm-hmm. The next
0: one is try to change the other person's goals to fit ours.
1: Oh. Yikes. Uh, so I feel like that that actually goes back to our Fifty Shades of Grey episode where we talk about how Fifty Shades of Grey is essentially change him porn. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, if I am the right person, I can make them a better person. Mm-hmm. And they're going to change after we're in a relationship.
0: This is also very much like... This is how I see this one trying to change the other person's goals to fit ours. This is like, oh, well, I really want to move to X part of the country. So, oh, why don't you start applying to jobs? There could be a way better job out in X part of the country, for example. Yeah. Or, you know, why don't you go back to school in X part of the country? Because it's where. And so it makes me think about because I'm about to go through this move with my partner X and his wife. And, you know, they're re- re- moving with me. And I am going. For school. And I really wanted to avoid this. I didn't want them to feel that, you know, they had to change their course of life, their goals, to just match my goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I definitely gave them enough room, like enough outs. So that's something that I like to communicate with people. And I over communicate it with X probably too much. Um, and I don't think I use it as much with you. But I do want to say, like, there's always an out. Like if you ever don't want to hang out that day or you don't want to whatever, there should always be an out. And the last one on this list is not practicing self-care because all of our time goes to fulfill responsibilities. Uh, Yep. And that's not really, I mean, it's a mistake, sure, but it's also sometimes unavoidable. Imagine a partner who is the only partner that works. And if they're trying to maintain financially support the other one, then they might not be able to practice self-care as much. And that's going to drag
1: down the relationship. Yeah. That yeah. That is a uh, breeding ground of resentment right there.
0: Yep. So I thought I would bring those up because those three that are about communication, the um, not communicating our long-term goals, which, you know, this is something that I firmly believe is like, I actually do believe in communicating long-term goals up front. We haven't really talked about long-term goals a little bit. I mean, you've talked about how you want to travel. You want to go somewhere, you know, far.
1: Wow. Well, Part of the issue with me is I'm still trying to figure out what my long-term goals are. And I think you've met me at a time where I'm trying to, where I did have a long-term goal, and now I'm trying to assess if that long-term goal is actually tenable. But I feel like your long-term goal has been fairly obvious to me. Like, when I met you, you are going to graduate-level courses. You did change schools, but you're still taking graduate-level courses. Uh, You know, you were traveling quite a ways to go to this university, and now you're moving closer to go to that university. I assume that once you're done with your doctorate, Mm -hmm, doctorate. uh, that you will do something with that doctorate. Yep. Which probably will involve language, linguistics in some way, since it is a linguistics doctorate. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how you want to be a teacher, And we've also talked a little bit about also how tech companies are hiring a lot of linguists for AI development.
0: Yes, that is a big thing right now.
1: So, yeah, I guess I don't know what to tell you about my long-term goals because I'm still trying to figure that out.
0: Yeah, and I think what I often see when, you know, couples rush into things is, like, they don't talk about, like, do they want kids together? Does the one want kids? and The other one doesn't want kids. I mean, those are long-term goals, and honestly, I think they should be communicated sooner, sooner rather than later. That's just my opinion. You should know how your partners partners feel about that. If you're in a polyamorous relationship, are you okay if this partner has kids with that other partner? Like, so what? Where are your thoughts and long-term goals in terms of those things? Like marriage and like those other things
1: i guess i'm amenable to the idea but it's not like a it's not like a driving goal of my life it's like oh i need to find somebody to marry and you know i'm quite happy with my lifestyle of having you know a couple different partners and i'm i am open to having like because you and t are sort of my main partners at this point Mm -hmm. i'd be open to having like one or Maybe two more partners mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have the energy for that I i s I don't know how the people who have like six partners do it just just sounds exhausting, but that's a that's another that's another conversation
0: um, it's not for everyone yeah i um, I think I have more partners than you well i don't have i mean I definitely see you and X the most I live with X and I see you. Pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, and my other partners are more... We don't need to see each other every week or anything. We kind of set things around.
1: They also are more long distance. If yes. I'm thinking of the right people. hmm So, you know, if it's long distance, you, know, you can't see each other every weekend. So I see a show note here about green flags. Yes. What exactly is a green flag?
0: So... Everybody knows about red flags in a relationship. Yes. Things that you go, "Mm, that makes me stop and think. This could be something wrong. Yes. Maybe this is not going to work out. Could be dangerous. Yes. All such things are red flags. Yes. A green flag is precisely the opposite. Something that says, good, go, you got this. Good job. Relationship is going well. Stay with this one. So this was in a Tumblr post that I found, and it was just a couple that they added, and, and several of them relate to communication, um, and we've actually talked about some of them. So the first one is, listens to you talk when you have issues and supports you through them. That is a pretty bare minimum requirement for me in a relationship. So I'm not sure I would go so far as to say that that is a green flag, as this author did. That is my bare minimum yellow light. <laughs> proceed with caution okay if you're if you're not listening and talking to me when like things are going on in my life obviously you don't need to do it all the time but you're probably not even a friend yeah like <laughs> most of my friends talk to me about their problems in their life
1: uh, yeah i feel like that's sort of the bare minimum of friendship much the, less a relationship much less a relationship yes
0: the next one is stops doing things you tell them make you uncomfortable
1: uh, that's That one's not making much sense in my head.
0: I'm going to rephrase it. It's not very well worded. When they do something that's uncomfortable to you and you say that's uncomfortable, they actually stop doing oh, it. yes. That's where I'm like, this seems to me to be like another yellow light. Proceed with caution. That should be the bare minimum thing. Like, yeah, if I'm uncomfortable and I tell you to stop, you better freaking stop.
1: <sighs> yeah, I am surprised. So... I, there's a number of BDSM-related subreddits that I follow, I'm surprised at the number of times people are coming to these subreddits asking for advice when their top slash dom slash master didn't stop when they said their safe word, and I was like, then, then you need to leave. You need to leave! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's another That's another s- bare minimum requirement, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't really, like, think critically about this list beforehand, I just thought it would be cool to bring up. And I think now we need to, like, rewrite it with better green flags. Uh, the next one is compromises when necessary.
1: Well, all relationships are a little bit about compromise. Yeah. It can't just be one person, even in DS dynamics, it can't just be about one person dominating the other because real life intrudes. Right. You both got to get an income, or if one of you is not getting an income, how is that working out?
0: Right. The next one is, never puts you down deliberately, especially not publicly. And I would like to rephrase this one, because I talked to X a little bit about it. I think, like, voicing your concerns, even in public, is okay. I'm personally okay with that. Especially if a situation has just occurred, or something is actively going on, and you need to be like, hey, that wasn't cool. Or, I didn't like that. But I think you're not putting down someone, but I think, like, berating or degrading someone.
1: I mean, I feel like putting down implicitly means, like, there is a form, there is an element of humiliation to it. Okay, see, I didn't read that into that, so. Yeah, putting someone down means, like, there is an element of humiliation. Okay,
0: yeah, so in that case, I agree with this one. I feel like that's also a bare minimum, then. Anyway, okay.
1: Let's go back to green flags.
0: Green flags, okay. So, so far, a lot of these are bare minimums, but what I will say is, like, that, if we're defining a green flag of, like, yeah, go ahead with a relationship and, st- and like, the opposite of a stop, then I can see how this could be interpreted as a green flag. Okay. Um, Because I think, like, those things that are going to make exceptional partners in terms of, you know, how they communicate and whatnot, that's all going to be things that are going to be more personal because that's going to be tailored. Whereas this is just a list of, like, these are the things that, like... Should be kind of like those bare minimum requirements of like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So there's supports your ambitions. The next one is communication. Uses a calm, rational tone during arguments. Obviously, that's very difficult, I think, for a lot of people. Yes. And I feel like, you know, you said like your kind of response is to go silent. Yes. Uh, My response is to express my emotions. But I have gotten way better at like I said taking more time before reacting so I think that's a good one for me to keep in mind is able to apologize when they're in the wrong that's a good communication thing and the last one is aids your growth process
1: all right i think for me like a green flag for me would be somebody who is who's capable of self-reflection because i don't not everybody no, that's so true. Not everybody uh, can or wants to do self-reflection. And I think for our listeners, like, yes, these are sort of bare minimum green flags, but you can also have, like, personal green flags for yourself. Yeah, for yourself. Yeah, of course. Like, um, oh, that's
0: really good. I really like that.
1: in a partner. Yeah.
0: Does it spark joy? <laughs> I bring that up because I've been Marie condoing or using the Murray method, yeah, to clean up my life. Yes. And she was talking about that it can apply to people too. Like not everybody in your life is gonna be like a close friend or a lover or a partner. Um, some people are gonna be like people that you're not gonna get along with, and people that you might not even be able to stand. But she's like, even those things, even those people teach you things because they teach you about what you really do value. And those other people, they teach you about what does spark joy in your relationships. So I was thinking about that earlier. So the green flags, like personal green flags, are like those little things that spark joy.
1: Yeah, I think especially for polyamory relationships, like having partners who are capable of self-reflection and are willing to do do emotional work with you rather than just expecting you to do all the emotional work, I feel like would be green flags for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So one last thing before we sign off is I find this helpful, I think it's helpful to kind of schedule these conversations so that, now I, I love T, but T had a habit of like wanting to have these conversations right after we'd had a disagreement or a ah, fight. like,
0: so she was also very much like, I want to resolve this right away.
1: Well, we would resolve it. Oh, I see. And then she would immediately immediately after immediately after want to like all right what caused this miscommunication which can be slightly stressful. That,
0: that sounds really stressful, even for someone who likes to resolve things right away. I don't know if I would immediately want to like.
1: So we eventually sort of like let's wow. let's just talk every once in a while, make sure to have these sort of like once every few months like we talk like has there anything major changed about our communication style. Because you know things can change. You know things change over the timescale of months, and it's. I feel like it's better to have these kinds of conversations outside of the the heat of the moment or right after the heat of the moment, if that makes sense. So, uh, I was hoping, like maybe in like uh, three or so months, we could have another conversation like this. It doesn't have to be as long and extensive as this one, but
0: no, I thought this was good. Yeah, that would be cool. I would like to schedule this kind of talk again. I hope it was helpful for the listeners to be able to be here throughout this journey with us. And in addition to scheduling, you know, us talking again, I also like to just schedule other talks too. You know, you can uh, schedule to talk about other topics in your relationship outside of just communicating. For example, we had mentioned something relating to um, oh conflict resolution, for example. So, you know, even diving into just how do you resolve conflict can be a whole conversation in and of itself, um, because that can go beyond just communication that can involve personal self-work, that can involve therapy, couples therapy, whatever it is. And so I feel like, you know, don't limit this to just scheduling talks about communication.
1: Yeah, I mean, any somewhat contentious topic. Uh, I mean, I think we touched upon a few others which might be good for communication, which like. Uh, which might be good for scheduling, such as long-term goals. Are you interested in having children? I think it is better to to schedule these kinds of talks rather than assuming you know what's going on and then having to have that discussion in the heat of a moment rather than, well, we've scheduled this and we're both calm, cool, and collected and we can talk about this right now rather than Something unexpectedly popping up, which forces the discussion later on. So, any topic which you think might be contentious, or doesn't have to be contentious, but like, just be
0: something that like might be actually needs a little bit more thinking and a little bit more time. Yeah. And just like we said in the beginning of this too, it might be helpful to think about what are the key points that you want to address throughout the talk. Um, if there's anything really specific that you want to, you know, address. If you need to bring notes, bring notes. And also know that it's not always going to go on script. There was definitely a lot of things during this talk that I didn't know that we were going to talk about that I didn't think that we're going to, was going to be brought up that ultimately were really interesting to find out. Yeah. And with that, this is M. This is G. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love
1: who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at Podcast. You can find us at knppodcast.tumblr.com, or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. But yes, it is currently dry out. I don't know how long it's going to stay dry, because this is the city we live in. In a mysterious part of the world. We're in the world?
0: You don't want to specify that we are in the world.
1: I, I think saying we're in the world specifies no, we're in the world. that's very specific. That's very specific. I'm not sure if I'm following.
0: Then they know that we're in the world.
1: I think that's generally a safe assumption for anybody who's listening to a podcast. I mean, we could have
0: been on the moon, but now
1: you've, you've done it. They know. (laughs) They know. (laughs) We're in the world. Yes. I assume that they gathered from the fact that we are in a closet, that the closet is somewhere in the world.
0: What if it were a closet on the moon?
1: There are no closets on the moon.
0: Why are there no closets on the moon?
1: Because they have not built any structures on the moon.
0: That's very sad. But our listeners didn't know that. And now you've ruined it. We could have been in a closet on the moon.
1: I'm sorry, listeners. If you'd imagine that we were in a closet on the moon, or any other celestial body that is not this world, I hate to disappoint you. But we are, in fact, in a closet on this world. Wow. Heart-wrenching.